1: You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay,
2: we are live. We're a little bit late. But as you all know the drill, we have to let the stream breathe just a little bit just for a few seconds make sure we're getting five green check marks across the board. We got Facebook with us. We're good. Welcome in everybody to the Huddle Up podcast presented as always by Mile High Huddle powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host Chad Jensen and with me as always is my partner in crime who you know who you love my fellow football priest he is Zach Kelberman. Zach we signed off yesterday knowing that Drew Locke Cortland Sutton, Draymond Jones, a couple other guys we'll get to here today, were hurt in the Pittsburgh game, and that when they got back to Denver, they would undergo team MRIs, and we'd get some additional results, some additional insight on the timetable and prognosis. For Drew Locke, it turned out to be somewhat good news in that it confirmed the two to six weeks. That's bad news. The good news being that it wasn't anything worse. It's not season-ending. Unfortunately, Zach, in the case of Portland Sutton. He's done for the year. Another dagger in the heart of this team. And you listen to Coach Fangio today and his presser. You know, he was asked, I think, by Jeff Legwald, how are you holding up emotionally? Like, how could you not be frustrated at this point? He said, look, we'll we'll get by. We'll figure it out. We'll make it work. But what was your reaction to the Portland Sutton news?
3: I think that's putting lipstick on the pig. How could you lose a top 10 wide receiver after losing a future Hall of Fame pass rusher and not feel sadness or feel like the weight of the season is kind of crashing down on you? Obviously, the Broncos did have playoff aspirations, Chad. You and I both predicted double-digit win seasons for the Broncos. They're just losing too many people. And let me just say, uh, I can speak for everyone. The injury bug can go straight to hell, Chad. This season is god-awful. I hate 2020 all around. It gets every worse by the day, it seems like. In terms of Drew Locke, I'll start with him. Um, I'm glad it wasn't a full-blown rotator cuff tear or anything, you know, uh, long-term ligament damage. It's a strain, a severe strain. All things considered, he didn't break his collarbone. He didn't break his shoulder. He didn't tear his labrum. I was worried about that as well. The old Drew Brees injury could have been worse. Uh, It's Jeff Driscoll time, I think, for the next four or five weeks uh, for those thinking it's a two, three week injury, the Broncos are not going to rush Drew Lock back, even if the rest of this year is about his development and developing the young talent on this roster. They're not going to put his long term risk, r- health in risk and in jeopardy by having him out there. So he's going to be on the shelf for at least a month or so. Cortland Sutton, what are we going to do? I'm interested to see this is uh, Jerry Judy's crash course now as a wide receiver one. And he wasn't ready for that job in week one when uh, Sutton was out of the game. I want to see how he's going to do in this role now for his maturity, for his development. He has to learn how to catch passes a little more consistently. KJ Hamler looked pretty good. So it's it sucks. There's no positive way to spin or to polish this turd that is 2020, Chad. It's true. I hate to be graphic, but that's true. This is what it is. This is the hand that Broncos have been dealt, losing so many players. But there's always a positive side you can talk about, which is the younger talent. They have guys on the roster they want to check out. They have other quarterbacks they want to see. You can see Ripon now. You can see Jeff Driscoll. There's always a silver lining. Uh, This, though, feels like a
2: bronze lining, Chad. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to lie to you. Every single injury, with the exception of two that three that popped up in Pittsburgh, Draymond Jones, Demarcus Walker, and Devontae Harris. Every other injury the Broncos have suffered that have had long-term implications up to this point has been to not just a starter, but a Pro Bowl caliber player. And in the case of Drew Locke, yeah, he's got a long way to go until you know he's a Pro Bowler. However, he's that caliber a player in terms of what he means to the Denver Broncos. It has just been one bad turn after the other. And so right now, Zach, fans are frustrated. They're fed up. Uh, fans, I think, are depressed a little bit. And it's. we can't blame you. We can't blame you. But here's what you got to remember is just a few months ago, you didn't even know if you were going to get football this year. But you did. It's unfortunate the way the chips have kind of fallen up to this point. But there's 14 more games. Stranger things have happened, Okay. If what we saw – here, here's one thing that you got to keep in mind with regard to perspective here, okay? We're talking about a Denver Broncos team who failed to make some plays in the clutch, a few coaching foibles along the way, you know, water under the bridge. But this team, despite all the losses, because it wasn't just week two. Week one, the Broncos were without some serious playmaking wherewithal. They still managed to be in a competitive game all the way down to the wire. So, what that tells me is, again, we talked about this on yesterday's podcast about being an optimist. What that tells me is if the Broncos, including Pat Shermer, who's still the new kid, all right, he's still the new guy at Dove Valley, he and Mike Shula, but as a play caller, Pat Shermer is new. If, if he can get under, you know, get, get his legs underneath him, so to speak, if they can win even half of the games they play without Drew Locke, which I don't think is asking too much, I really don't. This team is still very talented, and Vic Fangio talked about that today. If they can win half the games that they have to play in the ensuing weeks, because it could be two weeks, it could be six, I'm thinking it's going to probably be a three-week minimum that Locke misses because one of those weeks in that three 3 three-week period is a Thursday night short week. So it's probably going to be three weeks for sure. But if they can win half those games, back you get Drew Locke, yeah, he's going to be rusty. But when Drew Locke came off of the rust pile last year, okay, after being exiled on injured reserve for 13 weeks, Broncos played the best football of the season. So if I'm telling you anything, all right, as one of your football priests here on this podcast, I'm telling you, don't tune out, don't shut down, stay engaged, stay plugged in with this team. The season is young. The cards have been crappy, but there's still a lot of football left to play, and you frankly just never know how things could turn out. So keep your chin up.
3: It, it's true, yeah. If this was, you know, if the Broncos were three and six and this happened, yeah, I say the season's over. But they're still only zero and two. They have a couple easier opponents. Uh, the Buccaneers are beatable at home in Denver with some fans in the crowd. Uh, the the Jets the, the following week they're for sure beatable. That should be a gimme game for Denver, uh, despite having no Drew Lock in the lineup. And you know what? You mentioned Chad surviving without Lock, which is what the Broncos obviously have to do. I'm not worried about the quarterback so much. I think Driscoll can get the Broncos by and the running game. If Gordon can run and play like he did yesterday and the defense can always keep the Broncos competitive and afloat in a game, I'm worried about the coaching and the play calling and the situational management of the personnel. So as long as Vic Fangio can kind of just be a little better and more consistent and his coordinators can be, I think the Broncos can stay above water with Jeff Driscoll in this running game and this defense. It's not going to be pretty. Uh, we're going to have to amend our predictions, Chad, I think, but I'm still – I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not waving the white flag. I want to see how this team responds to the ultimate adversity now in a must-win game because if they were Broncos, were 0-2, regardless of Drew Locke's status, 0-2 is a must-win against Brady and the Bucks in Denver. So how they respond this week will be the make or break for me. I'm not waving the white flag just yet.
2: Let's grab this comment here from one of the superstars in our community. Dale D-Dub across the uh, Pacific there. I don't like saying across the pond when you're going west. It's When you say across the pond, you're talking about the Atlantic, right? Going going east to Europe. So we'll say Dale across the Pacific Ocean in paradise, basically, jumping in here. And part of our job as your football priests is when things go sideways, we got to help you exercise the demons. And we're going to be here to do that with you tonight. Dale says, hearing about Miller was a slap to the face, the Von Miller injury. Drew Locke going out was a kick to the, you know what, below the groin. Hearing Sutton is out for the year was, <laughs> was even worse. I'm not, <laughs> not going to read it because it's family friendly. I'm not going to say that's too bad. It's, it's not it's – not, it's not, uh, he doesn't curse or anything, but i got to keep it family friendly. <laughs> but bottom, leaf, uh, bottom line is here. He says, I'm ready to kick teeth hard. And uh, Dale, we don't blame you, and that's that's part of what we hope these podcasts can be for our community, Zach. Is we want the fans to be able to get those, uh, you know, work their hormones out, so to speak. To to, I mean, look, exercise demons. It means just kind of getting things off your chest, right? Getting it out. Um, and in this case, we're going to help you do that here tonight. But yeah, it's there's no there's no way to sugarcoat it. It's been. I said it was a comedy of injuries, only there's nothing funny about it, right? It's like a comedy of errors, but this is a comedy of injuries, but nobody is laughing except, of course, for maybe the Denver Broncos rivals. Dave and Callie jumping in to say, hey, gang, still love my Broncos. And that's that's right, man. I think we're, we're all united under that banner of, hey, you know, we're going to gather together. We're going to rally around to see what's going on on a day-to-day basis with the Denver Broncos. And then when it's game day, you know, we're going to be there to break it down, to react, to – to either share in the in the joy of triumph or you know, revel and commiserate in the in the failures and coming up short of, of losing. Amber here, one of our Facebook supporters, much love to you, Amber. She said, I'm a Broncos fan till the day I die. I will still be cheering. Straight up. Absolutely. Guys, there's a lot we got to get to tonight. There's other things besides the injuries that Fangio addressed today that are coming out of that, you know, takeaways, observations, implications from the week two loss to Pittsburgh that he addressed today. We want to get that. We're going to talk about that with you here tonight. Uh, Real quick, Zach and John, I don't know if, let me check something here real quick. If you have Levi jumping in, John, I don't know if you have him, but it skipped. My chat is already so hot and heavy that it jumped Levi. There he is. Just want to give a quick shout out here to Levi. I want to say, you know, four or five, five days in a row. I think he's been active on super chat. So, Becoming a superstar, bona fide in the community, and we really appreciate Quickly. you, Levi. Yes. So you. Uh, much love to you, dog, and we'll keep an eye out for any comments or or questions you have in the uh, in the chat stream. But this idea here, Zach, of thanking oh, for Lawrence, no. it's just you got to resist it. That's no. that's not befitting of Pat Bolin, is it? I mean, maybe in your heart of hearts, you can sit and think, you know, if, if they lose, I'm not going to shed too many tears because it gets you closer to Lawrence. But you still have a lot to learn about a second-round pick only two God. years removed now in Drew Locke. And, you know, he's only got six games now, six six starts, not even six full games under his belt. you got to figure that out. And you might say, well, Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's a for-sure thing. He's a guaranteed stud in the NFL, immediately takes his team and, and to the next level. But even if you think that's true, Zach, and you're willing to forsake that second-round investment and everything you've got kind of put in on Drew Locke at this point, the Broncos are not going to be the worst team in the league this year. I'm sorry, dude. The worst team in the league—they don't go toe to toe with that Pittsburgh defense to the wire with a backup quarterback. They just don't. Okay. The Broncos are going to get some wins, and maybe if the worst possible scenario occurs, they end up, you know, six and ten, five and eleven, something like that. But it's probably not going to be good enough, Zach, for number one.
3: Let me address three points here because I'm literally swaying back and forth with anger that's just forming inside of me when this tank for Trevor trope comes out, Chad. First of all, the defense alone in Denver can win the Broncos three to four games. That's not including what they can do on offense, what they can do on special teams, uh the coaching if it ever comes back to life. They're not going to be the number one overall pick. They're not. They're going to be at worst, like you said, Chad, if if Locke is going to miss the entire season, let's say a a six, seven, eight win team, whatever. Second of all, this tank for Trevor and never win again for Trevor, that was said to me on Twitter today, which blows my mind. It is a loser mentality, defeatist mentality, coward mentality. It's how bad teams stay bad. You don't tank for one player. This isn't basketball. This isn't baseball. This is the NFL. You don't do that. First of all. Second of all, Lawrence, to me, maybe this is my opinion, he's not Peyton Manning coming out. He's not even Andrew Luck coming out. He's a good prospect, but would I purposely tank a promising season for him? No, not even close. That, and, and my last point here, I'm going to keep this very truncated, to give up on Drew Luck after seven career starts. When you had all your hopes pinned on this guy as the savior of the franchise, as the cornerstone quarterback, you're throwing in the towel because his offensive line got him hurt. He hurt his shoulder, and that's why you're giving up on him. We all were singing his praises before the season. Now seven games, you know, two, two weeks goes by, and we're tanking for Trevor now. Same thing happened to Philip Lindsay, Chad. He was the Messiah. He was the savior last couple seasons. They signed Melvin Gordon. Oh, we don't need Philip Lindsay. He can go. He can walk. It's that defeatist, cowardly mentality from some of the Broncos fan base. I hate tank for Trevor. They're not going to do it. They don't, they're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. They're not going to finish number one overall draft pick. I wish we would just stop this right now.
2: As Jerry says, too many fans already wanting to tank and get rid of Locke, and it is nauseating. By the way, hat tip to that MHH face mask that you're rocking there, guy. Appreciate you, Jerry. One of our Facebook supporters as well. And Black Knight, we did miss your super chat last night. It was came in right at the tail end as we were winding down, and we did miss it. We're going to get to this very topic here in just a second, I assure you. First, though, we got to just do some very quick matters of business and bring to your attention that this podcast, this live stream, is brought to you by sportsbetting.com. Gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado, and if you are inclined to partake In sports betting, head to sportsbetting.com. Join today for a risk-free week of betting up to 500 bucks. Head to sportsbetting.com. They'll take care of all of your needs when it comes to sports betting. All right, a couple quick things, matters of business. We'll make it really brief tonight here because there's so much to get to. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter, at HuddlePod, the main account, at Huddle. Head on over to HuddleUpPod.com, gang. Get your swag on. Get yourself one of these football priests hats. Uh, you saw the face mask on Jerry just there, the MHH face mask. You got hoodies, you got t-shirts, you got mugs, you got a little something for everybody, men, women, children as well. Shout out to Troy, uh, shout out to Eclipse Stormborn. It's a little something for everybody. It's another way to support what we're doing here. And if you're not in a position to patronize the merch store, it's all good. Each and every one of you can do these three things. And if you really love your football priest, you will do all three of these things. You will make sure you're subscribed. You will like this video. And above all else, you will share it out there. Help us continue to grow. Help MHH and the Huddle Up Podcast continue to reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Broncos country, I've got the perfect drink and cause for you. Listen up, gang. Coors Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability, this brand was inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Because listen up, our waterways are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. But through a partnership with Change the Course, Core Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Each 12-pack of Core Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. The results are one billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River. And that's just year one. It's unprecedented. Four refreshing flavors, gang. One cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon-lime, and grapefruit. The specs are in. Core seltzer is 4.5% ABV, and it only has 90 calories. I cannot wait to try this product, and I've got my eye in particular on the black cherry. This is the type of drink that I know not only I'll enjoy, but my wife as well. She loves the fruity type of adult beverages, and with a little bit of carbonation to it, you can't go wrong. Join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Core Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It's that simple. Visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find Coors Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831 2021 Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. Winning season returns at MyBookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At my bookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice, because the NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action, use promo code OVERTIME, and double your first deposit. New players get up to 1000 bucks in free play, which is designed to add more excitement to the sports you already love and the games that you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie, and here's the best part. Overtime is going all in for our listeners. We're giving away 500 bucks cash to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer. When you make your deposit... Just take a screen grab of your MyBookie account and email it to overtime at advertisecast.com. That's overtime at advertisecast.com. 500 bucks given away at the end of September. Zach, let's grab. There he is, by the way. Well, hold on to Troy for just one second. Um, Black Knight 232, who we did miss last night. Sorry about that, Doc. Thank you. Yeah. We hate it when that happens, but in our defense, I literally, I don't have a timestamp on it, but I could swear, dude, it came in after we were off. But if I'm wrong on that, again, we apologize. We don't leave our superstars out in the cold. But he says, let's fire our strength and conditioning coach and grab a right tackle in the first round of the draft. Zach, it's for guys like you and I who have, and by the way, thanks, my friend, appreciate you, Black Knight. For guys like you and I who have expressed our, at the very least, let's just say skepticism that, Things haven't gone swimmingly since Lauren Landau took over as the strength coach when Luke Richardson (laughs) hightailed for Houston. Let's just leave it at that. It's it's natural, I think, for any human being with a brain and two eyeballs to recognize, you know, look, I'm not a big believer, as I've said on this podcast before, in things like coincidence. But the problem is, Zach, the one thing that factors into all this rash of injuries, and Fangio talked about it today, was the truncated – to use the word you just used a minute ago, off-season. He says, in his opinion, it's not so much the lack of OTAs. He says it was the lack of preseason is what he thinks is leading to these uh, grievous injuries across the league. Now, it's Broncos and Niners have been the two teams hit the hardest up to this point. The Broncos, though, I I still think emerge on top as so far just the punching bag of that injury bug. So it's natural for fans to go, look, someone's got to pay for this. Someone needs to be held accountable. This is not normal. This is not right. Unfortunately, there is a little bit of a, uh, you know, a complicating factor, and that is the fact that it is 2020. There was a pandemic that did kind of reshape things. But how much should that, Zach, in your opinion, color the analysis of the job Lauren Landau is doing from the outside looking in? I'm going to be fair here and say, yes,
3: there is a league-wide trend in players going down. Saquon Barkley, torn ACL. Christian McCaffrey, high ankle sprain. He's out four to six weeks, I think. The Broncos have been hit the hardest. Uh, the, The Giants, the 49ers, like you mentioned, Chad. There is injuries across the entire NFL right now. The Cowboys didn't have their left tackle and their right tackle in yesterday's game. Every single team is dealing with injuries. Some are luckier than others. That being said, though. This has been something we've been saying for a couple years now. It's not just it, it predates the pandemic. So the denominator there, the common link between the Broncos 2020 and before is Lauren Landau. And he, I know he's well-respected. I know he has a big fan base and a big following. It's almost cult-like following on Twitter and in Denver. He, I understand he's probably good at his job, But I'm noticing, Chad, whether it's the the regimen or the way he pushes them or the exercises, a lot of lower body injuries, a lot of soft tissue injuries. This is going back way before 2020. Let me just point out, by the way, Cortland Sutton, lower body injury.
2: Our friend Troy jumping in. Oh, look, he's he's updated the profile pic, rocking this very hat, the football pre settle up pod hat like a boss. By the way – I heard things got a little sketchy over the last few days in Philly. Uh, So I hope you're doing okay. And I hope you're – obviously it sounds like you're okay, but, you know, I've been worried about you, Doc. Appreciate your support as always. He says, happy Monday, priests and Broncos fam. Heartbroken, but surprisingly optimistic. We'll be okay. Keep your heads high. Hashtag state of being. Hashtag MHHUN. Yeah, brother, you got to stay positive at this point. Like Zach said, if Lock goes down, you know, middle of the season, and it's a, or or even in the second quarter of the season, and it's a two to six week timetable, you're you're really starting to question what you know if there's any shot at this being a season that can include a playoff berth. But at this stage, it might seem ridiculous, Zach, to consider playoffs as even on the table. But it, until it's not, you got to keep it All in, right. you know, the Broncos country zeitgeist. And, by the way, also got David Kilgore, another bona fide wow. superstar, jumping in. David, thank you. Hat MHH mask. He is all done up like a boss. Love it. Appreciate you, DK. He says, and your generosity. He says, so do you guys see us signing a veteran wideout or quarterback? Zach, the Broncos carried seven wide receivers yeah. on the active they're, roster. They're good. Fangio said today, no. We're not going to go sign a veteran wideout. We got wideouts coming out of our ears. The young guys are simply going to have to step up. Quarterback, let's put a pin in that just for a second. Wide receivers. What's interesting about this topic, and again, thank you, David, is that injuries do create opportunities. You talked about this, Zach, at the top of the show. Opportunity knocks for who? Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, who looked dang good in week two. You know, a couple plays maybe I would you'd want back from from Hamler. I don't know, but he was. He, just that speed, man, as soon as the ball is in his hand, he's just a lightning bolt. You know, he's just boom, flash. So those are the two guys that really the onus falls on them. And, of course, you know, the more veteran guys like Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton. And then, you know, maybe even Tyree Cleveland, the rookie right. seventh route pick, who surprised both of us in making the final roster. I wouldn't worry so much, Zach, about the receiving talent, especially because of the investment draft pick-wise the team has there, but also because of the presence of Noah Fant.
3: Yes, this is why you have thirty wide receivers and forty tight ends set on the roster. You, you have enough guys to catch passes. No one can truly replace Cortland Sutton, but the Broncos, all of them together, can kind of you know replace his production, I think, in the stat column, or at least keep the Broncos' offense afloat. Why I always hate, and I saw in the comments, people or one person was at least pining for Des Bryant. My thing is I never want a veteran to come in unless it's a surefire, perfect fit because all they're going to do is take reps and development away from the younger players. So I wouldn't want Dez Bryant or Demarius Thomas or anyone else out there coming in and muddying the waters right now for the Broncos' young receivers. I want to see more Jerry Judy in the number one role. I want to see KJ Hamler in the number two role. I want to see way more Tim Patrick because he had a really underratedly solid game yesterday, Chad. He always looked good in this Broncos system. Deshaun Hamilton, perfect chance for him to stick around. Tyree Cleveland, like you mentioned, I want to see the young guys on the roster before I would think about bringing in some veteran holdover to take reps away from what my invested in and what could be the nucleus in the future of my organization.
2: Well said. Well said, my friend. We got Christopher Doe, Do 44, jumping in on super chat. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. And I'm glad that we kind of connected the two accounts. We just last week, I think it was, I'm like, hey, are you Christopher dl 44 on Twitter, on YouTube? You're like, yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. Followed you back. Uh, he says, how do you guys feel about De- uh, Demarius Thomas coming back to Denver uh, boost fan morale and get DT to 10,000 yards, retire endeavor. Thanks. Hashtag mile high Hotel family. You know, I think it's a, it's a viable question because he is available. There was, a little bit of a spark on this topic during the offseason when Thomas said on Denver radio that he would love a reunion in Denver, but I'm sure Zach, he I just don't think that's John Elway. There are a few exceptions. All right. Like Brock Osweiler, uh, Osweiler, but for the most part, when Elway turns the page on a player, that's it.
3: Uh, fan morale. I mean, losing your franchise quarterback and Cortland Sutton and Von Miller in re-signing 30 something year old Demarius Thomas, that's going to boost fan morale. Uh, To my last point, no, I don't want him coming back in. You know, X's are X's for a reason. There's a reason why the Broncos broke up with him. He had that car accident, then he hurt his Achilles, and he had that fail stint with the Jets. He's just, you know, I hate to say it, good player in his prime. I love DT. He's washed. And you don't want a washed receiver in this locker room. As a coach, he wants to come back in a few years, fine. He can be a receivers coach or an assistant. But playing on the field right now, no. I want more Judy, more Hamler, more Cleveland, more Patrick, and more Deshaun Hamilton. I don't want Demarius Thomas.
2: Guys, you got Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. I mean, both Zach and I kind of panned the second round pick this year, it being K.J. Hamler. But now it seems like it was prescient because, I mean, maybe you could still make an argument that it should have been an offensive tackle because, you know, they could really use an an upgrade in that department. But still, it's really handy suddenly to have K.J. Hamler on this roster who's just, you know, getting his beak wet. And so is Jerry Judy for that matter. And I think, you know, it's unfortunate that as they grow early on in their career, as rookies, they're not going to be able to do that with Drew. They're going to be doing it with Jeff Driscoll. But those are your guys now, man, and they're not chopped liver. These are legit dudes that can make an impact. We're not talking about trying to scratch together, you know, impact from Deshaun Hamilton, who three years removed from being a fourth-round pick, hasn't shown much. Even Tim Patrick, who has played well for this team at times, you know, these two guys are special, all right? Those guys are like just this side of JAG type wide receivers. And Zach might disagree with me on Tim Patrick, but that's, that's how I see both those guys. Whereas you got Jerry Judy. And KJ Hamler, who could be blue chip studs in the league, you wonder how having a guy like Jeff Driscoll might affect their development. But Zach <clears throat> Driscoll was spinning it. He made, yes. you know, there was, there were was some, you know, boneheaded moments, especially in that first half when he came in cold off the bench. But the, the second half, credit to Shermer for the halftime adjust, adjustments that he did make, he was getting the ball to the guys that needed to, and especially Judy, man, he helped Driscoll, especially kind of get into a rhythm and build some confidence and kind of get into the game with some really tough catches. It's unfortunate that he still had a drop, uh, but, you know, he'll, he'll he'll get that out of him. And by the way, here's Glenn jumping in. Glenn Hauser, bona fide superstar in our community. Remember the names of those talking about tanking for a quarterback. They'll be the same ones wearing <laughs> a three jersey when Drew takes us to the promised land. And I think that's an okay, you know, I think that's an okay mentality. To You should still have your support with Drew Locke. He didn't get hit by a bus, you guys. Right, right. (laughs) He didn't die. (laughs) Sideline is not even done for the season. (laughs) Right, Zach? Yeah,
3: I mean, I'm still wearing my Let Him Hate shirt. You know, I'm not giving up on the season, and I'm not giving up on Drew Locke. And it's funny you mentioned that comment because I have this tweet in my drafts folder just waiting to go. The same Broncos fans calling for the year of Drew Locke and singing his praises are now the same ones that say, I don't care if he never plays again. Get me Trevor Lawrence. They're fickle casual surface level fans, real Broncos fans are not giving up on the season, nor drew luck.
0: This is the overtime podcast network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck. That's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site
2: Whether you're looking to place your first wager or you're a seasoned betting professional, SportsBetting.com is the place for you. With sharp odds, a huge range of lines, props, and futures, and backed by state-of-the-art data security and encryption, SportsBetting.com gives you all the tools you need to maximize your sports betting experience. SportsBetting.com is a legal and licensed sportsbook in Colorado, so with a fresh slate of games coming up in the NFL this week, plus the NBA playoffs, plus college football, you name it, Head on over to sportsbetting.com and get in on the action. All right, let's grab Dave here. Kelly, Dave, jumping in on Super Chat this time. Thank Appreciate you, you, my friend. Been away for a while. Sending a little love, Denver Broncos for life, and Randy for the haul. Randy Gratishar. Yeah, man, we're, we're keeping our fingers crossed. We're keeping our fingers crossed for Randy. One of but these years. Hey, hope you're surviving the uh, California fires and everything's going well with you and yours, my friend. Appreciate yes. you in the community. Zach as we get to what well, actually let's grab Levi's super chat and then I want to get to something Fangio said.
3: Levi, appreciate Levi you. jumping
2: in again. Top wow. rope. Every time, top rope. Appreciate you, dog. He says, I blame Juwan James for locks injury. And that's you know, that's <laughs> a little bit more of a novel, um, yeah. kind of roundabout way to get to the real source of what happened on on uh, Heinz Field. Because think about it. first of all. Jawan James, the Broncos, you know, they invested some serious dollars into him. They get 62 snaps last year. Wilkinson comes in, starts 12 games, relinquishes 10 sacks. It was pretty much a crap show from the beginning. He's a guard. You know, as I wrote today, Elijah Wilkinson is a great try hard guy. What the Broncos need are great do good guys. All right. Try and, you know, it's like Yoda said on Star Wars do or do not. There is no try. And as you see, as you saw it in Pittsburgh yesterday, Trying it just doesn't always pay the bills. You gotta close. You gotta get the deal done. You gotta cross the finish line. So, Juwan James, look, he does. I mean, I don't know about you, Zach, but I haven't seen the bug that she'll go and mentioned uh, ravishing NFL players and uh, becoming some kind of you know uh, mini epidemic within the league. The NFL has actually done a phenomenal job without a bubble, outside of a bubble, to keep that as. A non-factor this far. They're being very diligent, very disciplined in their protocols. I'm sorry. Just like we told you when the news broke, Jawan James should be playing. He really should. So if you want to blame him for Drew Lock, I don't blame you. I'm not going to go that far at this stage because he wasn't on the field, but I, I get you.
3: Yeah, show me try in the stat column. It ain't there. I don't care about try. That's that's a cowardly mentality. And, you know, connecting Juwan James, what is it, the the nine degrees of Kevin Bacon, Chad, or whatever that was. It's those very roundabout ways of forming opinions and analysis. I blame, you know, you can blame Wilkinson for being a horrible tackle, which he's not even a tackle, but it's also the Broncos coaches for not getting him out of the game after the quarterback got killed nevertheless before he got killed and also the Broncos front office for not having a better contingency and relying on 34 year old DeMar Dotson to be your savior. And he's not even your savior. So it's not Juwan James. He, he made a decision, Chad, for his own self and his own family. And what we can disagree with it, but that's his decision. He gave the Broncos enough notice. They didn't do enough and they're not doing enough to make up for the difference.
2: We're going to get to that very topic here. I just want to <clears throat> grab this from my friend, our friend, Darko, who runs a Mexico-based Broncos fan page on Facebook. And, yes, I'm going to join him next Tuesday, so not tomorrow night, but the next Tuesday. I think it's at 6 Mountain Time, so that'll be fun. And uh, when it gets a little closer, we'll we'll send some links out and remind you guys of what's going on. But that'll be fun. We're looking forward to it, Darko. Um, all right, Dennis, we're coming right to you next I just want to grab this since the last topic we were on was, in fact, uh, Elijah Wilkinson and the right tackle situation. Zach, let me read to you what Vic Fangio said about Elijah Wilkinson today. "Quote: Well, first of all, he was asked, hey, how do you think Elijah played at right tackle? Have you given any thought to replacing him with DeMar Dotson? Quote, Elijah had a lot of good plays. But then he had some plays where he was inconsistent in his sets and protection. Tell us something we don't know, Vic. He goes on to say, no, we haven't had those thoughts yet, talking about benching him. To the second part of your question, closed quote. So, Zach, we've queried, like, what's it going to take to to sit that, to get Dotson on the field because Wilkinson's is so bad? An injury to Locke? Well, the injury happened. The Broncos still aren't budging.
3: I, I am legitimately, Chad, at a loss for words. And I know I'm going to say a bunch of words right now, but I am at a loss. I don't know what more there is to say. What is it going to take? What is it going to take to be a consideration? Jeff Driscoll on injured reserve? Brent Rippen starting a quarterback? Where is the accountability here? How do you sell to the locker room? You have this obvious black sheep on the field who is costing you games because he costs you your quarterback. How do you sell that? as being the best man for the job when you signed a natural tackle and he's rotting on the bench. What is it going to take? Why even sign DeMar Dotson? Why even carry him on the 53-man the roster? These are all questions that I have, Chad, but the Broncos are not adding answers. They're not complying. And it's stubbornness, and it's a lack of foresight, and it's being tone deaf, and it's incompetence. I don't know how else is it other than incompetence and negligence to put a quarterback back there with an unnatural tackle coming off surgery when he just got your potential franchise quarterback literally killed. His shoulders messed up now because you don't have a competent right tackle. That's my thing with it. So I'm almost I'm almost apathetic to this, Chad. You know, the opposite of, uh, of love is indifference, and I'm, I'm growing to be indifferent with how Fangio is handling uh, the right tackle situation.
2: You can blame Mike Munchak, but Fangio has final say. He's the coach. He's the head coach. As Jeff says here, thanks for the super chat, my friend. He says, uh, Fangio keeping Wilkinson in these games is asinine. And we don't disagree with you. Zach, I've had some people say to me, um, well, you know, it wasn't actually Wilkinson's assignment that laid the hit on lock. In fact, if you go back and watch the play, it's still it's it actually still is Wilkinson's fault. I'm sorry to say it, but, I mean, look, it starts with T.J. Watt doing a nice – just beating him to the edge and doing one of the – almost a Von Miller-esque shoulder dip to turn the corner, which Drew Locke sees. And so he goes – he steps forward and then out, and he starts going right. And when he gets off his point like that, Vic Fangio said, today I wish he would have stepped up. I wish he would have stepped up in the pocket. And I'm saying, no, Vic. I wish – he would have been crushed either way by If He steps up in the, in, the, in the pocket. I'll tell you why in just a second. Then he runs right. Meanwhile, what happens is on the other side – Dupree runs a stunt with the with the uh, five tech defensive uh, lineman. The defensive lineman goes outside. He cuts inside, and Bowles and Reisner kind of get their wires crossed on who's got who. Dupree ends up basically having a free shot. Knifes into the backfield. By this point, Locke is kicked out. He's running. He stumbles a little, and that's actually what what did him in. Is he stumbled, and it gave it, it kind of threw him off his his the clock in his head, and then boom, the hit from Dupree. But, Zach, if Elijah Wilkinson doesn't allow that literally instant pressure from T.J. Watt, Drew Locke isn't moved off his point. And you could argue, well, he probably still would have got hit, though, because, again, Wilkinson – or Bowles and Reisner kind of had a miscue on that stunt. Maybe he gets hit, but he's not getting his shoulder destroyed. And it would have been in the pocket. It would have been a different animal. And who knows? He still might have had time to get rid of the ball. So, honestly – you can say that, that Wilkinson should be absolved for the blame for the hit on Locke. I still see him as, at, at the very least, Zach, he was complicit on that play in particular.
3: I can't believe he's actually quasi-blaming Drew Locke. I wish he stepped up. I wish you had a better right tackle in the game. I mean, how do you blame Locke for that? No. And even, even if you want to excuse Wilkinson for the lock injury, it was every single snap before and after the injury, Wilkinson was getting beat. He was either allowing a sack or a pressure or a hit on the quarterback. He is horrible. I thought Donald Stevenson was bad. League Watson was bad. Neither compare to Elijah Wilkinson because he's not a natural tackle. You can put the blame on Locke all you want. That's the offensive line play. And the same reason Chad Driscoll was drifting back in the pocket and throwing off his back foot, it's a defense mechanism because you don't have a consistent offensive line. It's pressure. You see ghosts. You start to get happy feet. All the cliches you want to use are true. So it's not limited to Locke. This is a quarterback and offensive line issue. And for the head coach to blame the quarterback in that situation, when now the quarterback, is his ligament's
2: messed up? I don't know about that. In Fangio's defense, the question was literally, what did you think of the play? Did you think Locke maybe could have done something different? Would you rather him have thrown it away? Like They were kind of leading him. He kind of walked into it. But he controls what he says. And as you said, it's almost like blaming the victim, right? You're, it's, it's victim blaming. I'm in, so tired in- of the excuses for Fangio, Chad. I mean.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site
2: Appreciate you, my friend, and he's rocking the MHH dad hat, just looking like a boss. Thank you, Dennis. He says, Locke will be a very good, if not better, quarterback before too long. I'd use our first round 2021 draft pick to get the best right tackle that's available. Locke would probably still be playing if we even had an average right tackle, and I think you're right, dude. I really do. Look, that that Steelers front seven is arguably the best in the league, and the Broncos were outmatched, and – Unfortunately, I hate to, be, to tell you, Dalton Reisner had a bad game. He had another bad game, yep. dude. And, you know, he wasn't terrible, terrible in, in week one against Tennessee, but he was bad. And here's where I was looking at the advanced analytics from Pro Football Focus today, and I counted four sacks in the first half, okay, that Elijah Wilkinson was responsible for. Do you mm-hmm. know what PFF credited him with, Zach? Let me tell you, for the entire game. This should be comical. One sack allowed. <laughs> One hit, two hurries, four total pressures when you add them all up. Meanwhile, they credit – let me find this. They credit Garrett Bowles with only one hit and one pressure. So, you know, one hit equals one pressure. They credit Graham Glasgow with one hit, three hurries. Uh, They credit Reisner with three hits, two hurries. And then they credit – uh Wilkinson with one. So they actually only credit two sacks to the offensive line. Zach, seven sacks. The Steelers sacked the Broncos seven times. Where are the other five sacks, dog? Who gets the what? You're just saying it was a free rusher. I get it that 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 fourth down play, maybe you could argue, you know, there was no specific lineman that was responsible for that particular play in the fourth quarter that ended the Broncos' hopes because it was just a missed missed blitzer that went untouched directly into Driscoll's grill. But Zach, let's remove that. Six sacks. You're only accrediting two to the offensive line. Child, please.
3: Yeah, those sacks are with the Vic Fangio's timeouts from week one, Chad, just in fantasy land. They're just unaccounted for. It's another argument, another exhibit A as to why pro football focus really has fallen off. And we really can't take what they say as gospel, nor are they the end-all, be-all football analysis. I mean, they're actually the, the opposite end of that spectrum, I think, Chad.
2: Yeah. And it's crazy because even as, as recently as probably two weeks ago, I was saying, look, you know, they're grades arbitrary. They're not end all be all. Don't hang your hopes or your, your opinion on that. But they're advanced analytics. They're actual metrics measuring what happens on the field by the result, not by, you know, judging the the player and trying to guess what his assignment was. They're actual advanced metrics, you know, good stuff. This is advanced. These are actual metrics and they're wrong. You're getting it wrong. You're saying, no, it wasn't a catch for 19 yards, Zach. It was a catch for 13 yards. No, it either, you know, 2 plus 2 equals 4. You got it wrong, BFF. Pull your head out. Black Knight, jumping back in. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, anyone want to take bets on us trading for a right tackle? And also, what the fudge is up with Fangio saying that he's not going to bench Wilkinson? We're with you, dog. We're we're with you. And trading for a right tackle? I'm telling you based on the tonality that Fangio had today about Wilkinson. That ain't happening. They signed a pure right tackle with nine
3: years of experience, and they're playing a natural guard coming off surgery. So that should tell you all you need to know. They're not going to trade for a right tackle for whatever reason. I don't know if Wilkinson has compromising pictures of John Elway, but for whatever reason, he has bulletproof job security. And until that changes, he's the right tackle. I, I have nothing more to say.
2: DK, David Kilgore, jumping back in. Appreciate you, man. Thank he you. He says, I do like Locke, but I am concerned about him because he's had two injuries in two years in the NFL. Are you guys concerned? Concerned, maybe concerned, worried? Not really. We talked about this yesterday, Zach. That he's the most commonly compared quarterback, you know, the pro comparison for Drew Locke has always been Matthew Stafford. And so far their NFL trajectories have looked starkingly, uh, starkly similar in that. I'm not going to go through the pull-up Matthew's numbers again, but both suffered injuries in their first and second year that cost them serious time. What that means, though, David, is that Locke, you know, again, we we pan Vic Fangio for for even approaching victim blaming. But Drew Locke in that situation, whether you say, hey, Wilkinson shouldn't allow that pressure so quick, and Bowles and Reisner should have caught that stunt, whatever, Drew Locke has got to learn though as a quarterback, and it doesn't take catastrophe, it shouldn't have to take catastrophe to figure this out. But in this case, all we can hope is that it does. But quarterbacks like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, they learn that their best friend is actually the pocket. And when that pressure comes to step up and to climb, they're safer in the pocket than they would be outside of it. All the big, nasty, crushingly devastating uh, injuries and hits that come to quarterbacks, 90% of them outside the pocket. So Drew Locke was trying to make a play for his team. He knew they were underdogs. Uh, he knew that the first series didn't go well and he's trying to get something going and who knows exactly what that play was designed to, you know, what the play call was and what they were hoping to get in terms of the coverage and what kind of production on that play, he was trying to make something happen. So I get it. You know, he's, he's a competitor and he, he wasn't giving up just because TJ Watt beat Elijah Wilkinson. But Zach, the flip side to that coin is you got to be able to walk that razor's edge as a quarterback of knowing when to throw it away when to step up, all these different things, and be- because he is so inexperienced, you saw that ultimately result partly, you know, in an injury, and part of that's on Drew for, for you know doing. I mean, I shouldn't say it's on Drew. I don't want to blame Drew, but he's just got to know how to protect himself. And in like again, Brady, the Mannings, Drew Brees. You see Drew Brees running and gunning outside the pocket. No, they make their living in inside the pocket for more than one reason, Zach. One of those reasons being, they're actually safer in the pocket. It might seem counterintuitive because that's where all the pressure is coalescing, but they have to know they're safer in the pocket. So when that pressure comes off the edge and and a tackle gets beat, your best bet is to buy that uh, you know half second longer and step up. And if you can't make the 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 throw and you can't connect, you throw it away or you take the sack. But you're going to be your odds of surviving that sack without it being you know an injury are many times at 10x times better in the pocket than outside of it.
3: Right, yeah, very well said. And it's self-preservation. I mean, how many times did you see Peyton Manning in the pocket? He sensed pressure. He knew he couldn't complete the pass. He knew he couldn't get out of it. He just went down. He would literally just fall to the ground and play dead like a possum. It's self-preservation, and young quarterbacks, is a calling card to make plays and extend the plays and either throw an interception like across their body or do something silly. He was trying to extend the play. He was trying to overcompensate for bad offensive line play, and he got hurt because of it. It's interesting, though, two other quarterbacks he was compared to, Chad, are Sam Darnold and Tony Romo. And those are two other injury, you know, question mark. I know Romo was, Sam Darnold, still. jury's still out on him. But this is the game you play with a gunslinger. It's what you play with Romo, with Favre. It's what the Chiefs are doing with Mahomes. He had an injury last year. Would you say he's injury prone? It's part of the game. You have a gunslinging quarterback. They're not the Alex Smith types who stay in the pocket and get rid of the ball in three seconds. They're not the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady types who have such cerebral intelligence to know when to get rid of it, to when to go down. He's a young kid in his first full season as a starter. It was bound to happen. But the Broncos are complicit. It's the Broncos doing by not having the best protection for Drew Locke. It's as, as cut and dry as that, Chad.
2: As Diamond Rattler says here, I thought Mike Munchak was an offensive line guru. Hmm. And yeah, that's what makes this so mystifying is what are we missing? I mean, if, if a guy who's venerated as the best O-line coach in the league, if not, you know, one of the best, some will pick nits with that, but still I think almost everyone in the NFL would agree that Mike Munchak is one of the best O-line coaches in the NFL. And yet they're rolling with Wilkinson. Why? Why? How can we justify that? How can we make sense of it? We can't. Zach, the only thing that I can – there's only two explanations that come to mind for me, okay? One is, and you see this with NFL teams all the time, follow the money. There's more guaranteed money owed to Wilkinson than there is to DeMar Dotson, all right? That's one explanation, possibly. I'm not saying that's the – I'm just telling you, the the only things that come to mind. The only other thing being that what we're not seeing behind the scenes is that DeMar Dotson is it up, that he's terrible. But Zach, I don't believe that if I'm, if I'm guessing on one of those two, I'm, I'm pointing to the money one because he wasn't terrible in training camp. Early on, he was kind of getting his, his football legs underneath and there were some, you know, he wasn't pretty, but he got up to speed to DeMar Dotson. And so I don't know how, how else to rationalize it. It is highly questionable on the part of Mike Munchak.
3: It is. And how bad can Dotson be? Why not give him a chance? Put him out there for one series. If he's awful, get him out of the game. And if he's that bad in practice, Chad, why keep him on the roster? Why not go find a street free agent? The Cowboys started yesterday again, two undrafted tackles and they won the game. You can find a guy off the street. So if he's not, if he's taking up roster space and money right now, get rid of him and find a better guy who's better than Wilkinson. So I don't want to hear about that. Someone in the Broncos coaching staff or front office, could be Elway, has a an affinity to and loyalty to Elijah Wilkinson. And maybe it's pride. Maybe it's ego. I don't know what. But there's there's something weird going on here because I think any other coach by now, any other team would have benched Wilkinson, especially after getting your young
2: quarterback killed. I, I think it's the money, dude. I think they're going, look, we're we're locked into $3.2 million. I think it's the money. Um, throw Chris back on there, John.
3: You're going to let 3 million bucks hurt your franchise quarterback and cost you your season. That's my thing. You have $30 million in cap space.
2: What, what are we doing? I agree. Chris Hernandez jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend, fide superstar in the community. And as Thank you, you guys.
0: guys know, find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC, no matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling. There's a premium and capable GMC truck. That's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site
1: And the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughter's bathrooms and sports teams. And now the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.
2: 24 year veteran of the Air Force. He says, cheers to my football priests and MHH fam. Cheers to you as well with some, some bottled water here, <laughs> my dog. Thank Much you, love to you. Hope you're doing okay, Chris. Let's grab Chandler here, jumping in. Appreciate you Chandler. Thank one you. of the superstars in the community. He says, I watched a video from a fantasy doctor on Drew's shoulder. He said the injury was a David Chow, by the way. He said, cause I watched that same video. He said the injury could affect his throwing mechanics and hinder him from being what he was before. What's your take on lock shoulder? Yeah. Look, Zach, we're not doctors here, all right? And I think any doctor that says he didn't tear anything, um, from what I've, from what I understand, there is no. It's it's like a bad bruise, sprain. How did Fangio quantify it today? I'll I'll come back to it, but I don't think at this stage, Chandler, there's any reason to question can Locke come back from this? It's it's not that category of a shoulder injury, uh, and even if it was, I mean. You've seen quarterbacks suffer some pretty gnarly shoulders, like Drew Brees, as Zach has mentioned. Think back to that John Lynch hit, what was it, 06, I want to say, uh, that ended his – basically was the last play of his Chargers career. And I read Drew uh, Brees' biography, and it was an interesting book, and he talks all about that process that every team he went to, with the exception of the Dolphins and the Saints, thought that he was never going to return because he basically tore everything off, dude. It was done. Yeah, You know, it was like – When you get that fried chicken and you can just break the wing right off, boom. His wing was virtually busted off. All of the connective tissue and ligaments that keep your ball in the shoulder joint gonzo, all right, disappeared. That's not what happened with Drew Locksack. So I would not put any kind of long-term implications on his injury at this stage.
3: I wouldn't panic yet, but right after Locke was injured, I tweeted, you wonder about or worry about his labrum and his rotator cuff. Because watching the Jets in my formative years, Chad, I watched Chad Pennington, and he tore his rotator cuff, I think, two or three times. And listening to his rehab process and what he had to come back from, he had to relearn to brush his teeth, let alone throw a football. I'm not, you know, Locke didn't tear his rotator cuff. His injury is a lot better than that. But one bad hit now, if he comes back to the game too soon or if it's not recovered enough, it could be that. And he said yesterday he tried throwing again after the injury and it felt funny. So, no yet, no long term panic. But, you know, if he's not managed correctly or he doesn't rehab or respond to treatment properly, there could be an issue in the future. Hopefully, Knockwood right now, he's okay. And it's just a three, four week injury. But he's young,
2: you know. He's got all those, uh, whatever, the youthful platelets and stuff that go in there and uh, attack and fix and get him back in. You know, he just needs some R&R at this stage. And I would imagine the Broncos don't plan to do anything more with him in terms of, you know, throwing for at least two weeks minimum. He's probably not going to even use that shoulder. It's just going to be chilling in a sling and, you know, let it heal. Let it recover. We'll see how it shakes out. Mark jumping in. Mark Langley, that is. One of the superstars in our community. Appreciate you, Mark. Good to see you, by the way, dog. He says, What's up, my guys? Injury bug. I know Zach is pissed off. Don't blame him. It all comes down to coaching. Sorry, truth hurts. Zach, here's what's so frustrating, and there is a silver lining in this, okay? What's so frustrating about the coaches is again, I credit them for both games for being with despite all the injury losses. For being competitive in both games. Okay. And even you got to credit Pat Shermer, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, for the offense getting shut down in the first half. Everyone's kind of shell shocked from Drew Locke getting hurt. And then they go into halftime. <laughs> yeah, Greg, I'm having you eat chicken wings again. Um, questioning eating chicken wings again. Um, then they go into halftime. He makes some excellent adjustments, gets no offense involved, opens things up, and boom, the Broncos are back in the game. But then, he giveth and then he taketh away. And, you know, on that third down, he doesn't third and two. No brainer. If if you know you're in four down ter- territory, which they were, it was a five point uh, difference at that stage. You knew no matter what, if it comes to fourth down, you're going for it. Why not give it to your $16 million back on third and two? And then if you failed to get that and it's fourth down and you're going to throw, why would you run an empty set? Why would you telegraph that you're going to throw? And Not only that, if you're gonna right. telegraph you're gonna throw run in an empty set, why did you not have maybe I'm wrong? Was it an empty set on that fourth down? I believe I don't now now I'm questioning myself, but either way, it was definitely a shotgun though. Either way, Zach, my point being though, is that the, the coaches have done some great things and they deserve credit for both for being in both of these games, despite the injury losses. But what it really boils down to, and I'm gonna serve this over to you is the situational moments. And that's where we use your hashtag, coaching, coaching, coaching.
3: Yeah, and you know what? You know, to give the praise for the coaches to keep the Broncos close and competitive, first of all, that doesn't do it for me in my standard. That's not what Pat Bowen would have wanted. And second of all, that's taking the credit away from the players who fought their asses off yesterday to stay competitive in that game. I do give the Broncos defensive coaches credit for their game plans against the Titans and the Steelers. It just wasn't good enough. Talk about Shermer Chad. It took him four quarters to remember that Noah Fant exists. After ignoring him in the second half of week one and the first half of week two, it's funny what happens when you get the guy the ball. You talk about the play calling on the third and, and fourth and short again. Situational play calling, uh, game management, game flow, these are all things that are coaching 101. And when you have a good coach like a Sean Payton or an Andy Reid, these are second nature things. You don't even think about them. I mean, Andy Reid was the worst clock management guy in the world. He recovered from that and now he's a Super Bowl champion. So you just either have it or you don't. And I, I know uh, it, it helps to have a franchise quarterback. I know it helps to have a loaded roster, but the, the, the end-all be-all, the final factor is always coaching. And and it's always the last little ingredient separating a good team from a great team. And until the Broncos get that in certain moments, Chad, they're never going to be a great
2: team. Yeah. And it, the equation needs to be instead of he giveth and he taketh away, it just needs to be he giveth. All right. He just right, needs exactly. to, do need to do their job all 60 minutes and quit having these rookie moments. Cause there are, there are none of these guys that are the main guys, the head coach coordinate, both coordinators. They're not rookies. These are tenured veteran co- uh, coordinators and coaches act like it, act like you've been in these situations before. Um, we'll grab Kathy. and Then I'll come back to Edward because we just skipped Edward on screen there. Kathy jumping in. Appreciate you, Kathy. Thank you. Uh, she says, sorry, I can't stay. Thanks for manning the customer complaint desk. <laughs> Hashtag state of being. Hey, again, we're here to help with the with the uh, exercising of the demon Sometimes, right? That's what football priests are here for. Ed Keating jumping in, another superstar, longtime thank listener of the show. Good to see you, buddy. Appreciate the super. He says, people already giving up on Lock, saying thank for Trevor. I say, hell no. I stand with Lock, Denver Broncos for life. Yeah, I think that's the that's the correct mentality at this stage. Just because he got hurt, to, and look. I would maybe, Zach, understand it a little bit more if it was done for the season. you know. Maybe I could understand a little bit more, but he's coming back, and if the Broncos, again, like I said at the top of the show, if they can win half of the games that they're going to play without Drew Locke, he comes back, I have a sneaking suspicion he's going to give a lift and a spark to this team, and then who knows what could happen. They played their best ball after Drew Locke came off a 13-week exile on injured reserve last year. So uh, keep your chin up.
3: It's funny you say the the what if, because I can maybe get on board with with Trevor Lawrence if we had a full season of Drew Locke starting at quarterback. If we knew a little bit about what he can bring to the table and what his ceiling might look like in the NFL, then if this was December going into the offseason, I can maybe kick around the idea of trading up for Trevor Lawrence or maybe moving some assets for him, but tanking a season – for an unsure prospect right now and giving up on your potential franchise cornerstone quarterback after seven starts when he has an injury that's not owed to himself is completely knee-jerk and impulsive. And maybe, you know, to each their own, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I cannot get on board with taking a season for an unsure prospect.
2: Christy jumping in. Appreciate you, Christy, the queen Thank of you. MAH, showing some love and some generosity. Means a lot to us. She says, thanks, guys, for keeping it real. Keeping the Broncos love. I will never get the tank for whomever mentality. Did Elway win Super Bowls right away? Did Peyton Manning? No. Hashtag let Thank him hit those for those fair weathers too. Yeah. I mean, well said, Christy. Yeah, spot on. 100% Christy. Thank you appreciate that Jim reminding everybody click the thumbs up especially on Facebook and YouTube you guys it goes a very long way appreciate you Jim all right let's grab James here who says appreciate the super chat thank you uh, by the way James I was looking for you on Twitter on uh, huddle up pod following Mile High huddle following and Zach and myself didn't find you I was gonna shout you out last night so I just typed your name in the tweet instead of tagging you if you're on Twitter reach out so we can connect and shout you out he says why did we quit running the ball when it was working? I know we were behind, but we weren't out of the game. Did I miss something? Coaching. No, I, I'm, I'm trying to think back to the to the exact sequence. Um, but, no, look, I think, honestly, I, I didn't – maybe I'm missing something, Zach, because it was kind of a rushed day for me yesterday, running my, my wife to a doctor's appointment that had to be done, uh, and then catching the game literally in my hand, watching as I'm – in between doing things, I might have missed something. But I thought they utilized Melvin Gordon pretty well, to be honest with you. He he had ended up with 19 carries, and the Broncos eclipsed 100 yards against that same Steelers rushing defense that absolutely just squatted on Saquon Barkley, held him to whatever it was, six yards on like 15 carries. I mean, Judas Priest. So I didn't think the, the rushing attack was necessarily – neglected, but maybe I am missing something in that second half, Zach. Oh,
3: but you, when you have two downs, Chad, in crunch time to make two yeah. yards, yes. I mean, you don't give the ball to your leading rusher who's actually running hard in that game. And not yeah. only that, one thing I wanted to add, in the second half, no, what we didn't see from Melvin Gordon, no screens, no sweeps, no tosses, everything was inside. So again, I'm not going to hammer home the point, but it's coaching and it's situational management. And that's the detriment so far
2: of the 2020 Broncos. Let's grab this one from Jordan Cordona on YouTube, rocking the MHH face mask. Appreciate you, dog. He says, Locke reminds me of Josh Allen, who struggled with the deep ball and accuracy his first couple years. Josh Allen has been balling out this season, so I have hope Locke will be great down the road. Yeah, I mean, they are similar. I would say that Allen's a bigger, stronger quarterback, like a little bit closer to Cam Newton in terms of just his physical constitution. But similar arm strength. Similar, as you say, deep ball accuracy issues. Um, a, lot of, a lot of similarities there. And the Broncos had a chance to draft Josh Allen in 2018, chose not to, ended up, of course, taking Bradley Chubb at pick five instead. But there are some similarities, but they're also quite different quarterbacks. Josh Allen is basically, you know, the new version of, of Cam Newton with what he can do as a, as a runner. And those QB right. draws and on the goal line, and he can do a lot of those same things.
3: Yeah, this is kind of apples and oranges. I, I see where the comparison you're trying to make, but the awful, the other glaring difference is Buffalo actually protects their quarterback. So that it's, you know, they protect Josh Allen and they treat him like a real franchise quarterback. But yeah, he is he's way more lethal with his
2: legs than Locke will ever be. But yeah, the deep ball accuracy connection, definitely an issue. Yeah. And that's something that uh, our Nick Kendall has been kind of hammering on since the Broncos drafted Locke is, you know, that's one of the things that he's got to get better at. we got to see some improvement. And up to this point in, you know, his very brief career, I don't think you've seen a lot of improvement, if any at all, in his deep ball accuracy. So that's something he's got to get down. And his best deep ball, go up and get it guy. When he does come back this year, Lock, he's not going to have in Cortland Sutton, unfortunately. All right, we got Creative Kingdom jumping in, a name I don't recognize, Zach, uh, on Super cool. Chat. So welcome. Thank you very much Thank for you. your support. Reach out and connect with us on Twitter. <laughs> Knowing Wilkinson was getting beat, why no help from the running backs or tight ends on play action or play action? To slow the rush. I want to see more Freeman. Melvin looks like he's hesitating to hit the gaps. Look like it's on look like it's on the D. I don't know what he meant by that last one. But you know, I got to tell you, Creative Kingdom, the first part of your point here about why weren't they providing some help schematically to with Wilkinson, especially TJ Watt. Garrett Bowles had actually a good game in pass protection. He had that one holding penalty as a run blocker, but Bowles had a good game. Wilkinson, though, that should have been obvious to the coaches out of the gates, outmatched, outclassed from the drop. Why not give him some help? And they did at times. But play action, you're right. Uh, Not a lot of play action uh, mixed in, just a lot of drops, a lot of shotgun. And, you know, I mean, it's not like the Broncos' offensive, you know, the rushing attack was completely impotent, thus negating the effectiveness of the play action. So that's a schematic thing that I think, Zach, Hopefully Pat Schirmer can learn from heading into this next week because this Tampa Bay Bucks defense, they're not exactly that ferocious, you know, unit that, that the Steelers present.
3: I haven't seen a lot of under center play action looks from the Broncos. The first couple of weeks, I've seen a lot of play action out of shotgun, a lot of RPOs, but not a lot of traditional play action plays. You can make the case. They should have uh, ran more of those yesterday, but you know, they shouldn't have had Wilkinson in the game. That's that's first and foremost. In terms of Gordon, I have to watch the tape again. I didn't think he was hesitate. I thought he actually ran pretty I hard. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he played, and that's coming from a big time, uh, you know, detractor of Melvin Gordon's. I thought he ran really hard yesterday. So I'm
2: not going to yep. hate on him for that. Yeah. I was, I was impressed with what he was able to produce as a runner against that front. Right. Um, so, but maybe, you know, maybe you could argue there were some points they could have, they could have pushed the envelope, in, especially on that third down in the clutch. Levi again, dog. Thank you. My friend means thank you, brother. Uh, He says, Zach, keep preaching about lock. I agree with you. 100. Keep it real. Yes, sir. Yeah, Levi. Hey dude, um, reach out to us. Send us uh, a DM with your address. We'll shoot you a little. Thank you for your support. Kind of baptize you into the fold, so to speak (laughs) uh, as a superstar, get you a t-shirt out and a football priest t-shirt. Appreciate your support, dog. Uh, Black Knight, again, jumping in. This is an interesting question that at least is worth talking about. So do we move Dalton Reisner to right tackle? And then when Natani Muti is ready to go, plug him in at left guard, or do we groom Muti to be a right tackle? Muti's never going to be a tackle. He doesn't have the arm length. You get crushed. He'll just get dealt with by NFL edge rushers. That's not an option. But moving him to left guard and Reisner to right tackle, guys – you're preaching to the choir here. That's something I was advocating when Juwan James went down instead of having to rely on Elijah Wilkinson. Then when the Broncos signed Amar Dotson, I kind of got off of that and went to, well, let's hopefully see Dotson on the field sooner than later. Until we see Dotson on the field, I'm not quite ready for the move rising you know, going back to the move riser to right tackle thing. But it is a ace in the hole for the Broncos because he was an excellent right tackle at Kansas State. But do you want to move him from left guard and the, you know, whatever chemistry they got built there? He and and Garrett Bowles on the left side of the line. That's a risk that you run if you end up moving him.
3: My thing is, is he going to be a better NFL right tackle than a better NFL left guard? and wherever he's going to be better than I want him to play. But right now, I mean, last year at least, and I know he struggled the first couple games, but he's a left guard in the NFL. He was thriving at that spot. Muti is on a tackle, nor is he going to be a a starting guard this year. Here's a, a a wild idea. How about signing a tackle, a pure tackle, and playing him or playing DeMar Dotson? And you have Muti when he comes back to be the backup to Reisner and Glasgow, meaning the Broncos don't put themselves at guard in the same situation they're in at tackle, where they finally have a young, high ceiling prospect they can plug and play and not have to rely on signing a washed over has been or moving someone around the formation. Just a novel concept I'm throwing out there.
2: All right, guys, we have crossed the one hour mark. So, we got to grab these remaining super chats and a little bit kind of a lightning round. Not, We're not going to ignore anybody, but we'll grab these super chats, and then we got to get out of here for tonight. And there are a few more stacked up that we're going to get. So still still a ways to go, but we got to wind it down a little bit here. Miller707Champ jumping in. Appreciate you, my Thank friend. You. He says, uh, I can confidently say if Denver was 100% healthy, we would be 2-0. and I'm very excited about our future. Look at the bright side. If Denver gets a top five pick, our right tackle situation is solved. Sewell, go Broncos. Yeah, I mean, you know, keep in mind, the Broncos will get Jawan James back next year unless there's another pandemic that he chooses to opt out of. (laughs) They're tied to him financially next year and I think the year after that too, if I'm not mistaken. So, but yeah, I mean, that's one of the silver linings for any losing team is that, you know, you get another high round uh, you know, high first round draft pick, top 10, top five. Hopefully it doesn't come to that though, Zach.
3: I don't see a top five pick regardless. I see in a worst case scenario where the Broncos around where they picked last year. And you know what? It's not too terrible either. They can still get a tackle. But you can argue they would have been 2-0 and if there was better coaching and better situational management. They played the Broncos players well enough to win both games. And if the coaching, I think, was just a little better in certain spots – it would be a whole different season. Situational. of injuries.
2: Yes. Again, it comes down to the situational aspects. Overall, I think the the, the coaches are doing a good job, but in those key moments, that's when coaches build their reputation and their teams win games and they build a, a career or they don't. And that's where up to this point, Vic Fangio, he's fallen short. So the season is young. Let's all stay optimistic that they can figure it out. He can figure it out. Pat Shermer can figure it out. Ed Keating jumping back in. Appreciate you, dog. I agree with Zach. I don't care what the reason is. Get Wilkinson the hell out of there. He got locked, killed. I'm just as mad as Zach and Ed, you have every right to be we don't blame you. One, one Iota. And we're right there with you. As Josh says, appreciate the super chat. This sucks. It does. But guess what? Long road left to hoe. And that's H O E long road left to hoe, you know, for the longest time, Zach, quick aside, I was saying long road left uh, to uh, long road left to uh, what was it? I got it wrong. Anyway, I'll, I'll come back to it. Long, long road left to oh, now I'm, I'm forgetting it. My anecdote <laughs> falls flat. Let's grab uh, D Dub jumping in. Appreciate wow. you, Dale. Very generous. Yeah. Thank you Lovely so much. Bro. Means everything to us, dog. Really does. And uh, just blows us away. Thank you, my yeah. friend. He says, especially now. With Sutton's injury, I said long road left to hoe. It's actually long road left to hoe. Okay. I thought it was was road two now. No one cares, but those things – I said it wrong, and then it doesn't matter. It's like the Mandela effect going on right now. (laughs) It is. Especially now with Sutton's injury, Albert O needs to come up. Vanette could not shake a toddler covering him. This is a a very poignant topic here. Could it shake the ground? He couldn't separate from a rock run game as a blocker, basically <laughs> fine. We have enough firepower with KJ, JJ, and Fant and Albert. Oh, and he's not wrong, dude. Vanette, as we were saying in the gut reaction yesterday, you know, I was joking partly, but I'm like, give me back Jeff Hierman. This is a joke. The Broncos are like, hey, we can save two million bucks if we go from Hireman to Vanette, and we think we feel like we have basically the same player and we're saving money. Apparently, you don't because Jeff Hierman was average, he wasn't bad. Ben has been bad these first two weeks
3: that he, uh, he can't block. He can't catch. He can't stay on his feet. The turf monster tripped him up. That's a hilarious uh, saying right there. Couldn't separate from a rock. And it's so true. Why is he on this team? Literally, what value does he bring to the 2020 Broncos? I hated the signing then Chad, you, you and I both did. And we definitely hate it now. Appreciate you, Dale. Yes.
2: Josh jumping back in. Thanks, Josh. He says, Cushionberry, eight pressures allowed, very bad. Let me double-check that, and I know it's PFF and it's not gospel. PFF is saying on Cushenberry, six pressures. Either way, too many, right? Too many, yeah. Cush had a bad game. It was a rookie game for him in terms of, you know, look, it's quintessential welcome to the NFL moment, Rook, because that Pittsburgh front seven, it's just, you know – the biggest thing with with Cushenberry is he's not the quickest guy, and you know he needs to be able to use his power more. And he was kind of getting beat yesterday from from one and a half viewings on my part. He was getting beat with the quick type of uh, pass rush moves and things like that. So I wouldn't get too worked up about it though, because as a rookie and as a center, similarly to a quarterback, he's going to have his his you know trial and error process. It's going to happen. So all you can hope, and this was something Fangio said today as well, is that he can learn from it, and he believes that he will, and that he's going to have a long, successful career as a Denver Bronco. I'd, nothing I saw yesterday made me go, ooh, pump the brakes. You know, let's right. get uh, Austin Schlotman in there.
3: And to Cush's uh, credit, he was a beast. In, in run blocking, Chad, he was moving bodies, and that's not a tough front seven to move. So I think the Broncos do have their center of the future. Cushion Barry, once he gets the pass protection figured out. And, and when you think about it, when you have a right tackle playing that bad, and subsequently, if your right tackle is playing that bad, your right guard has to compensate to help the right tackle out, who's his boon there? Cushionberry's losing one half of the line because Wilkinson is so bad. So you know what? I'm not even putting the blame a hundred percent on him. He has to be better. Yeah, but he's great in run blocking, and he will be good in pass blocking once he gets uh, situated with himself in the NFL. All
2: right, last one, gang. Then we got to get out of here for tonight. Mike Evans as just so consistent every single pod. Mike is in the stream. He's contributing to the conversation. And he's shown support and love on Super Chat. And Mike, yeah. it just means so much to us, my friend. Yes. And thank you, Mike. Hope you're doing well. Still one of our favorite profile picks. He's got the Football Priest t shirt and the stadium in the background. That was clutch. He says, Do you think Elway will begin to put pressure on Fangio, or do the injuries reduce the pressure? Now, I, th- I think there's some pressure. I do. I think Elway recognizes some of these foibles that have popped up on the coaching side these first two games, but it's not. Fix it or you're gone tomorrow, Vic. It's uh, Vic. You got this can't happen, dude. Like you got to turn the ship around. They're inexor. They're in. What's the best way to put it? They're Siamese twins for the next two years. Elway can't fire another head coach. He just can't right now. So he knows that they're in the same boat, basically, Zach. And but that doesn't mean he doesn't, you know. I don't know, put pressure might not be the right way to, to say it, but let Vic Fangio know when he's displeased with a particular body of work.
3: I don't think he's putting pressure on him because what's one thing uh, criticized or hot seat general managers like to do when they're facing criticism? That's fire the people beneath them. And that's exactly what uh, John Elway did after Gary Kubiak with Vance Joseph. Uh, Vic Fangio was the second chance there. He's going to say, listen, he wasn't the guy. And you know, I, I, I got to fire him. I got to start all over again. So I think Elway, with his contract coming up in a few years, he's biding his time as well. And I think he's, for the most part, I think he's letting Fangio kind of just sink or swim on his own volition. I think he has enough respect for him and confidence in him, but I don't think he's mandating winning now either.
2: Yeah. I mean, once the injuries happen, it does take pressure off. No doubt. I mean, it takes the onus off a little bit. It, it doesn't absolve them from rookie mistakes. Um, but when the when the when the losses stack up early on, you know, you got to take a somewhat understanding posture if you're John Elway, because think about it. I mean, this is I can't think of a worse year injury-wise for this Denver Broncos, not just in the time I've covered the team, but in my 40 years of paying attention to Denver Broncos football, I can't think of a year where it's been this. Not just yeah. this many injuries, it's to the cream of the crop on the roster. It's just unbelievable. Black Knight ends up being our last super chat here. Appreciate you, dog. Thank we're not you. missing you tonight on the last one. He says, if we get our players back in the middle of the season, we can stabilize out, but until Wilkes kills Locke again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem, dude, and we're with you. and That's why we are we were dumbfounded to see Fangio say today that they haven't even talked about it. It hasn't even been a, an issue, which I don't, I'm not sure I believe is that. The
3: sad thing is if we had better right tackle play, they can protect Driscoll. They can actually make things happen. But until Wilkinson's out of the starting lineup, they're going to keep surrendering pressure and they're going to keep going nowhere on offense because that it doesn't matter who you have back there at quarterback. You can have Montana in his prime. If you don't have the proper protection, it's not going to make a difference. So until that changes,
2: same old, same old. All right, guys, <clears throat> we got to get out of here for tonight. Thanks to each and every one of you for joining us here this evening. A mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars and to our Facebook supporters. Much love yes. to all of you. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. While you're at it, follow at Mile High Huddle. And whatever you do, follow my partner, Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL. And you can find me at Chad N Jensen. Keep your chin up. We still got Broncos football to enjoy. It's football season, guys. Soak it up. Enjoy it. And until the Broncos are out, they're in it. So keep your chin up. Zach, have a great start to your week. We'll circle back you and I and and see what's going on Wednesday night.
3: Yep. A lot more to diagnose heading into week three. And like Chad said, a long season left to go. A lot of uh, positive things to watch out for. A lot of young players to be excited
2: about. There's a lot more to go on, Chad, than just Drew Locke's injury. So we'll move past it. Amen. All right. Hat tip to John, to Buona Beast in the box. Appreciate you, my friend. For Zach Kelberman. I'm Chad Jensen. We will see you Wednesday, but don't miss building the Broncos tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern.
1: You've been listening to the Huddle Up podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore.